Good morning. How has your week been? Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Well, if you've had one of those weeks, it's a good thing you're here. It's a great thing you're here. Because this is what we do. Every week, we don't just show up to hear some guy with a microphone talk. We show up to minister to one another. And I encourage you to do that. You know, there, I'm, I get to be the pastor. I'm lucky enough to be the pastor of this church, but we're all the ministers. We're a team of ministers and missionaries. We're loving one another and helping one another and, and, and letting people that we meet know that we care and, and more importantly, God cares. When we say, no matter your story, you're welcome, you're wanted, and you're loved, that's not just by us, that's by God too. And we're going to see today in this message that God's put on my heart that God chooses people we don't expect. As a matter of fact, God doesn't choose people the way people choose people. Okay. A little Bible quiz to start off with. Don't, some of you look nervous. It's not going to be that hard, I promise you. If I were to ask you, of the 12 disciples of Jesus, the 12, which one was the most villainous? You'd know the answer. Everybody knows the answer. Even people who don't really have a church background know who the, the bad guy of the 12 disciples was. Everybody knows the answer is Judas Iscariot. Yeah, there was another Judas. We'll get to that. But Judas Iscariot, he's clearly the bad guy of the Gospels. Here's the thing, though. Until he betrayed Jesus, they didn't know he was the bad guy. He was trusted in the group. How do we know that he was trusted? Because they let him carry the money bag. He was the treasurer for the group. You're not going to let someone who's obviously a bad guy carry the money bag and be the treasurer, they would have thought him to be, if not the most trustworthy, then maybe one of the most trustworthy and one of the most responsible. It was only after that he betrayed Jesus that everyone was like, oh wait, it was Judas? Judas, no. That's for you, Elijah. <laughs> before that, before Judas was revealed as the villain, there's another one of the disciples that if you were to secretly ask all the other disciples, who do you think is the guy among us with the sketchiest past, with the most questionable history, the guy who might be a little shady, because we know he was, if you were to ask them which one it was, they might all say the same guy. And if you were to confront this particular disciple... And say, hey, did you, do real, did you really do all this? He'd say, yeah, I did. So who was this bad boy apostle? We already know it wasn't Judas the betrayer. Was it Simon Peter, the guy who was always sticking his foot in his mouth? No, it wasn't him. Was it Thomas? I mean, we call him Doubting Thomas. How'd you like to question one thing and for the rest of eternity you're known as Doubting Thomas? That's got to be a bummer. It wasn't any of those folks. It's a guy you might not ever expect because the first book of the New Testament has his name on it. It's Matthew. Matthew might have been the one that they all looked a little sideways at. Probably at first they did. Uh, certainly at first they did. When Jesus chose Matthew, 
it shows us that God doesn't choose people like people choose people. We, yeah, it's already up here. God doesn't choose people like people choose people. Keep that in mind. Because there are some people we would not choose who the Lord wants on Team Jesus. And we may sometimes feel like we don't deserve to be chosen. And yet He wants us. God does not choose people the way we choose people. The story comes from Mark chapter 2. We're in Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. Mark tells us about how Jesus travels around the Sea of Galilee. I love this because it, it appears that he would, was still in the boat and he was preaching out of the back of a boat and to people on the shore. I think if Jesus lived in southwest Virginia, he probably would have preached out of the back of a pickup truck and maybe rode around. That would have made a lot of sense. That would, be, that would work in our culture. And there he seems to have gone sort of around the vicinity of Capernaum and he's preaching to people it was a practical reason he preached off the boat is because people would swarm him so much that he couldn't get anything done because everyone was physically constraining him. So he does get off the boat. Mark doesn't dwell on the boat preaching thing very much, which seems interesting to me because he's got something more interesting to get to. And that starts in verse 14. We'll read that and I'll stop and pray for us. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you in this moment to open these words to us. We don't make any presumptions. We just want you to speak. Almighty God, show us something about those whom you choose. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus, after preaching off the boat, gets off the boat, and he's still in the vicinity of Capernaum, it seems, and he passes by a tax office. Now this wasn't an H&R Block or a, I forget any name of any other tax office at the moment. This wasn't an H&R Block or similar places that help you figure out your taxes. This was a place you go to pay your taxes. So it wasn't the sort of place that people love to go most of the time. And you might say, well, why did Jesus stop in? He had someone to go see. He went in the tax office, or, or outside the tax office seemingly, he, he saw this guy, and his name was Levi. Hold up, I thought this story was about Matthew. Same guy, two names. Levi and Matthew refer to the same guy. Hey, most of y'all probably have two, if not three names, right? And none of y'all are like, to the point where you're so famous you're known by one name. I mean, everyone knows Duncan. I mean, that's, I mean, there's a lot of other Duncans in the world, but there's really only one Duncan. There's just the one. But most of us have a first, middle, and last name, something like that. Some of y'all might have had cool parents and threw in an extra middle name or something. That happens sometimes. But Levi is also known as Matthew. Other people in the Bible are known by more than one name. Saul became known as Paul. Simon was renamed Peter by Jesus, and he also sometimes went by Cephas. I don't remember where that came from. Then there was the other disciple named Judas. Do you know Jesus had two disciples named Judas? Now, after what Judas Iscariot did, would you also go by the name Judas? No. So he would sometimes go by his other names, Thaddeus and Lebius. He was Judas Thaddeus Lebius. What a mouthful when he was in trouble and his mama was hollering his full name. 
But I would go by Thaddeus Lebius too if uh, if someone took uh, someone with the same name as me did some pretty sketchy stuff. Never Google your name because you'll find out there's other people with your name who have done bad stuff. Never Google your name. Um, Carl showed me this morning that there's some driver with with Walmart that had logged two thousand two million safe miles. That wasn't me. Another Michael Shockley. Another Michael Shockley. So. So Levi was, maybe Levi was the name he was given at birth, and Matthew was a name that Jesus gave to him. That's a possibility. Jesus was known to do that, give somebody a new name. The name uh, Matthew means the gift of the Lord. So that's a nice name. If you don't mind, to spare us the confusion, I'm just going to call him by the name that we most know him. Matthew, will that work for y'all? Okay, because if it doesn't, all my notes say Matthew from here, and I'm going to have to revise them all. Matthew was a tax collector, or in some translations, a publican. Let's unpack what that means. Those of you who are history buffs can tell me who was ruling the world, or at least what they considered the world, the Mediterranean region at the time of Jesus' ministry. It was Rome. It was Rome. But Rome liked to collect taxes. Rome liked two things to squash uprisings, and to collect taxes. Thing is, though, people hated that a lot. No one likes their taxes now. My my mom works up at the office that has to deal with folks and their taxes, and God bless her. I'm glad she... No, she's not a tax collector. My mama's not a tax collector. She just helps people who have problems that come in with their taxes. And I'm glad mama loves Jesus because there's some people who come in there so unhappy that if mama didn't love Jesus, they'd find out something. They would meet Jesus. If If mama didn't love Jesus, she'd be sending people to meet him who come in the tax office. So Rome liked collecting taxes, but Roman people didn't like to go out to backwater parts of the world, like Galilee. So Rome would not send Romans out to collect taxes. They would hire local people to collect taxes. Or more accurately, they would sell a tax franchise to some local person. Kind of like McDonald's sells franchises to people to operate a McDonald's in a certain area. Rome would sell the rights to have a tax to a tax franchise. They would get to collect taxes. And Rome would say, hey, you pay me this much, and then you collect the taxes. And whatever's left over, you get to keep. So you, you're reading between the lines here? These guys who paid for the right to collect taxes so long as Rome got their cut, Rome didn't care what they charged after that. So the tax collectors had a bad reputation for charging much more than was due. Sometimes many more times what was due, and no one could do anything about it. Because this guy was working for Rome, and there were Roman soldiers around. And if a tax collector had a problem, then that Roman soldier was like his vanilla ice. You got a problem? Yo, I'll solve it. That wasn't even in my notes. That's probably why it wasn't that funny. Duncan liked it. Thank you. You got a pro- That's good. That's good. 
I told somebody I do stand-up every weekend. <laughs> just kind of like, I don't think I could cut it as a comedian. I'll just try to, I'll just keep preaching. How about that? That good with y'all? So the more a guy like Matthew ripped off his neighbors, the richer he got. So how do you think the other people around felt about tax collectors? They hated them. They hated them. They were considered traitors to their nation because they were working for the oppressive Romans. They were considered liars and thieves, which they were. The lowest of the low, completely unwelcome in a synagogue or in polite society. And here we have Matthew, who's one of those no-good, low-down, cheating, thieving, lying turncoats who sold out their country and would sell their mama for a nickel. And Jesus stops by. And asks him to join the team. Why would Jesus choose such a sketchy fella to be one of his 12 most important helpers? Well, we have an idea in our heads about the, the kind of person the Lord wants on Team Jesus. You know, someone who's already got their life together. Someone who's, who's polished. You know, the guy with the right haircut in a, usually wearing a suit. The lady with the long dress. The, the people who, who um, have their lives together, who don't need to change very much, who are already like 95% holy, and then we'll just you know wipe your shoes on the mat when you come in, and that's the other 5%, and you're great. Go Team Jesus. Or, or sometimes we'll say, Another kind of person that could be on Team Jesus is someone whose life used to be a wreck, but now they're all cleaned up and spiffed up and they look like the first guy. But they got to get that far first. That's the idea of what people have, people have about someone who, who is on Team Jesus. Uh, but God constantly defies our expectations. God doesn't choose people like people choose people. The 12 disciples, for example. When Jesus went to choose the 12, he could have went to the temple and chose a bunch of priests, but he didn't. He, he went to Galilee. You have heard me say before that Galilee was the redneck part of Israel. That was the, that was, these, were, these were people who were not considered very polished, not considered very culture. And he chose virtually all of them from Galilee. There's only one disciple we know for sure that wasn't from Galilee that was down near Jerusalem. He was from somewhere near Jerusalem and much more cultured area. And do you know which disciple that was? It was Judas Iscariot. That's the only non-redneck disciple. So, God bless... God bless the rednecks. That's, that's all I'm saying. None of them were particularly well-educated. None of them were very polished. One of the criticisms of Jesus was that all of his followers were a bunch of, a bunch of, bunch of ignorant rednecks. So I think we'd, we'd fit right in, Dad. We'd fit right in. We're more hillbillies than rednecks. That's, a, that's another. That's kind of splitting hairs there. I don't have a truck, so I can't be a redneck. I'm as redneck as a guy who drives a Toyota Camry can be. <laughs> Love that car. Love that car. Yes. Great on gas mileage. Fantastic. <laughs> I could borrow a truck. I could. 
So when, when he chose these disciples, oh, by the way, one more of his disciples, let me throw this one in there as a bonus. One more of his disciples was named Simon. There was another Simon, very confusing. He was called Simon the Zealot. You know what a zealot was? He was a freedom fighter against Rome. <laughs> what do you think happened when, when Simon, the guy who's fighting against Rome, and Matthew, the guy who worked for Rome, sat together at the table? What was that like? I wonder. I don't know. And I have a feeling Jesus maybe put them together like at the Last Supper. Why don't y'all two sit together? Get to know one another. Help each other out. That had to have been crazy. They just... The disciples, the twelve, were not, were not the kind of people you think they would be. Some of them were so quiet, so introverted, I guess, that uh, and I, you, you guys see me with the mic, and I'm like, hey, that guy seems very outgoing. No, I go home and crash after this. I love y'all so much, and I love Jesus so much that I'm like really friendly and outgoing here. Then I go home and crash. Um, some of them were so introverted, we have no record of them even saying anything. In the whole Gospels, they were quiet the whole time, or at least nothing made it into records. And you're going to say, hey, what about the Apostle Paul? He was educated. He was polished. He sure was. But he came later, and there was that little problem of him spending several years tracking down Christians and having them killed. So there's that. But by and large, Jesus chose people that were unexpected. So, yep, Matthew was a traitor. Matthew was a thief. But... Jesus chose him anyway, and it really wasn't that surprising when you look at the whole story. So if you drew, if, if Jesus drew the line based on personal righteousness, on personal qualifications, nobody would make the team. All of us start out alienated from God, separated from God. Colossians 1.21, check this out. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind about your wicked works, he is now reconciled. That's where we start out, far from God. Even the people who look like they have it together, even the people in the suits and the long dresses with the perfect haircut, start far from God. We all have to be redeemed. Based on Matthew's spiritual condition, he was far from God, separated from God, but then again, so are all of us. That's where we start, every single one of us. The holiest little sweet little old lady who loves Jesus so much started out far from God. They had to be saved too. Nobody makes Team Jesus based on their own personal merit or personal righteousness. We don't. The only thing good we can say about Matthew is when, Ma when Jesus came by and said, follow me, Matthew got up and he followed Jesus. And that might just be about the only good thing that can really be said for any of us is when Jesus said, follow me, we follow. It will not be easy or cheap, though. It certainly wasn't for Matthew. Matthew got very wealthy off of his business. He had a very lucrative business. He had a very nice lifestyle. He was loaded for that area, and he walked away from it. He gave that up. I guarantee you he did not continue to rip off people when he was following Jesus because you, you, you can't. You just can't keep doing the things you used to do, not be happy at all. Matthew walked away from all of it. He gave, away, gave it up for something better, and he threw a party. He partied. And he, he invited Jesus to the house, and he invited some other people. Let's read about that, verse 15. Now it happened, as he, Jesus, was dining in Levi's house, that's Matthew, 
that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Matthew invited Jesus to dinner, the disciples came with him, and he invited the only other people who were willing to come to his house. Other tax collectors and people who had equally bad reputations. I'm not sure what the modern equivalent would be of the, quote, tax collectors and sinners. You know, maybe somebody who's like drug dealers or gang members. I don't really know. Politicians, I hear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Maybe so. Maybe so. But I am not going to run that particular rabbit today. Another day. Jesus' other disciples must have felt very out of place. It's not like they were, they were high society, but they weren't used to this. They, were, they would not have been there without Jesus. And Things got really awkward when some local religious leaders noticed what was going on. In those days, a lot of times meals took place outside, so it would not have been that hard to see what was going on. And, and people would have known where Matthew lived, and they would have known where Jesus was because there's a crowd. And they, these scribes and Pharisees came by, and they're... Not happy about it. The scribes and Pharisees often go together in the scriptures. They're not always the bad guys, but usually they are. They were the hardcore religious guys in Israel. The scribes were scholars who made copies of the scriptures by hand. The Pharisees were, were one of several of the sects of religious leaders, several groups of the religious elite, the guys who kept all the religious rules even the ones that they made up themselves, they kept those two. And anyone who didn't keep the same rules that they did, even the made-up ones, they looked down on and considered to be awful, terrible sinners. The word Pharisee is still used sometimes today to describe a very self-righteous person who doesn't seem to have a concept that they have flaws they need to work on too. In Israel at the time, though, these people were looked up to. They were considered Great people. People did not recognize their hypocrisy and, and they cared about their opinions. So the scribes and Pharisees saw that Jesus had gone in to eat with Matthew and his sinner buddies and they were disgusted. No respectable Pharisee would ever be seen in the company of sinners because if you hang out with them, you must be like them. It's guilt by association. Something to think about, though. If we're supposed to be an influence for the Lord, for people who don't know the Lord, how do we do that if we never spend any time with people who are far from the Lord? Now, you hang out with some folks, and they may, they may influence you in ways. You've you got to know where your limits are. There may be some folks you can't hang out with because you know you go in a, the wrong direction. But you're going to have to be around some lost people if you're, if you're going to lead anybody to the Lord. It's just got to happen. You can't segregate yourselves but so much. The religious elite had a very specific idea of who was good enough to be on God's team. They had to look right. They had to act right. They had to keep all the rules. In other words, they had to be a Pharisee in order to be good enough because they looked down on everybody else. But Jesus didn't choose people like them. None of the 12 apostles, original ones, not talking about Apostle Paul, none of the 12 original ones were Pharisees or religious leaders of any kind before Jesus grabbed them. Some of them, like Matthew, were not particularly religious at all, or at least not practicing. 
Jesus' choice of Matthew wasn't a mistake or a fluke. God chooses people we don't expect. God does big things with people we wouldn't pick. I look back, I would not have picked me. I actually tried to unpick me a few times, tried to talk God out of it a few times, but he won't unpick me for some reason. So here I am. I don't, I don't think I make the cut. Maybe you would say the same about yourself. But the church is made up of people that wouldn't be picked. The church is made up of people with a past. And when I, I say the church, that's the big C church. That's so like everybody church. All the believers. The church is made up with people with struggles. People who don't have it together. I've said it before. Recreate church is, is probably not the church for anybody who feels like they already got it figured out. That's probably not the place for you if you think you don't need any help from the Lord. We're the church for people who know we have struggles, folks who know they have flaws, folks who know they need help. If you're a hot mess, this is the place. And that's when you can turn to the person beside you and say, good thing they take hot messes here. Say, good thing, good thing, because me, me and you wouldn't be here. Verse 17 Verse 17, uh, Jesus answered the criticism of the Pharisees by saying something kind of similar. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's a powerful statement. It would be a waste of time for a doctor to offer a cure to someone who's in denial about their illness. Some of you have loved someone who needed to go to the doctor very badly, but they keep telling you they're okay. These people are usually husbands. You need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. Or, I'm, I'm not opening that can of worms either. The other people, other people. The thing is, people who do not recognize their need of something aren't going to receive that something. People... <laughs> who do not understand they need to be forgiven, will not receive forgiveness. The uncomfortable truth is that if God starts keeping score, we're in trouble. We're not going to make it. Nobody makes the team. We all fall short. All of our best efforts of right, at righteousness are like a bunch of nasty rags that you've used to clean up a bathroom. The Pharisees thought they were righteous already, and that was their problem. That's where they went wrong. They kept the rules as far as they understood them. They made up some rules and kept them too. On the outside they were clean, but on the inside they were corrupt. They had a disease, a terminal disease called sin. But that wasn't their biggest problem. It was their denial. If you are sick, that's not good. But if you know you're sick and you admit it, you can go get some help. If you are in denial about your condition, you don't go get help. And that's worse. These guys, if they could only admit their need, they could have received what they needed most. But they didn't. That's why a guy like Matthew, with such a wrecked past, walked away in the light. And they walked away in spiritual darkness. Not because they're worse sinners than the tax collectors. By most measures, they weren't doing this as much obviously bad stuff as the tax collectors were doing they looked pretty righteous but the heart issue was the same every human heart needs redemption even the people who sort of look like they got it together so long as you cannot see that 
you won't get it. God's amazing grace. How's the song go? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. God's amazing grace finds us when we're lost. It gives us sight when we're blind. It, it gets us when we're dying and gives us life, but that's the thing. Only sick people get healed. Only lost people get found. Only blind people are made to see. Only sinners get saved. If you don't recognize your blindness, if you don't recognize your lostness, if you don't recognize your sin, you, you don't get the other part. God isn't looking for self-righteous people like the Pharisees. He's looking for people like Matthew. People who know they need help. God doesn't choose people like people choose people. So keep that in mind. Don't count anybody out. If you know somebody who you think is too wrecked for the kingdom of God, don't count them out. If you think you are too messed up for the kingdom of God, don't count yourself out. God doesn't choose people like people choose people. If you ever feel like you haven't been chosen, think again. God, Jesus is stopping by today. He might visit you right in that bad place you shouldn't be. And he says, follow me. And it's up to you to get up and follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, please show us, please get us in touch with how bad we all need redemption. Almighty God, we surrender to you. I pray that you'll make us witnesses to the folks around us, that we'll be gentle, that we'll be kind, that we will not count people out. Almighty God, we love you and we praise you. And we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being a part of this this morning. If you want to get one of those papers that Diane was talking about or you want to get some boxes, the papers are right up here for Operation Christmas Child. We really want to... What's our goal? Remind me. 100 boxes. 100 boxes. That's a lot, but we can do it. We work together. Some of you might want to contribute to the group effort and go do your shopping and make your box. We used to really love that, especially when our kids were small. We'd let them pick out and say, hey, pick this out for the other for the kids. Uh, who this is going to. It was such a big deal. Once again, thank you for being a part of this. I hope you have a great week. And I love you and God loves you too. See you next time.